Chapter 6, All Fall Down. Nancy put away her radio and looked at Jack and Annie. I don't know how you two got past me. We're sorry, said Annie. This is unbelievable, said Nancy. Jack couldn't believe it either. How did they mess up so badly? I'm so sorry I brought you here, said Nancy. No, no, it's our fault, Jack said again. It's mine, all mine. Oh, said Nancy. She seemed near tears. You're just little kids. Not so little, thought Jack again. Gee. A snowmobile rumbled outside, its engine warming up. Oh, dear, said Nancy. I've got to lead the group up a safe route to the crater, or they'll be in trouble. But Pete should be back here in just a few minutes. Will you be okay by yourselves till then? We'll be fine. Don't worry, said Annie. Good, said Nancy. Here, sweeties. She poured some water into two cups and gave them to Jack and Annie. Drink. While they drank the water, Nancy spread a blanket on the floor and turned on the small heater. Lie down here, she said. Just rest. She patted the blanket. Jack and Annie lay down. Nancy covered them with another blanket. If you get thirsty, drink more water. Thanks, said Annie. Jack was too embarrassed to say anything. He felt like a preschool kid being put down for a nap. Okay. Nancy said with a big sigh. You kids nearly gave me a heart attack. She repeated half to herself as she left the hut. Sorry, said Jack, but Nancy was gone. Soon the roar and rumble of the snowmobiles filled the air as Nancy led the scientists and journalists up the mountain. We really messed up our mission this time, said Jack, lying under the blanket. And we were doing so well too, said Annie. She sat up. Can I see Morgan's rhyme, please? Jack pulled the rhyme out of his pocket and handed it to Annie. Okay, said Annie. She read aloud. Then all fall down till you come to the cave of the ancient crown. I wonder if this counts as falling down, asked Annie. She put the rhyme into her pocket. I don't think so, said Jack. I don't know what that means. And there's no ancient crown in Antarctica. It's all science and research and rules and helicopters and snowmobiles. It's the real world. His voice trailed off. Well, I know one thing. I don't want to waste time lying around here, said Annie. She threw off the blanket and stood up. At least I can take a few pictures while we wait for Pete. You really feel like doing that, said Jack? Not really, but I'm going to try, said Annie. I don't think you should, said Jack. Don't worry. I'll be back soon, said Annie. Maybe I'll see an ancient crown. Yeah, sure, said Jack. Annie put on her goggles and ski mask and headed outside. Jack reached into his pack and pulled out their book. He took off his glove and looked up Ancient Crown in the index. He wasn't surprised to find it wasn't there. Jack put the book back in his pack and took out his notebook. He read over his notes. Go slow. Stay with others. Cracks in ice. Never touch wildlife. Jack's hand was cold, so he put his glove back on. He put away his notebook, then laid his head back down and closed his eyes. He just wanted to sleep. The warmth from the small heater felt good. The sound of the snowmobiles was fading into the distance. As he started to fall asleep, the words of his notes ran through his mind. Go slow, stay with others, cracks and ice. Oh no, thought Jack. He sat straight up. He tossed off the blanket. He threw on his pack and rushed out of the hut. The wind was blowing the snow into icy clouds. Jack pulled up his ski mask and lowered his goggles. Annie, he shouted. What? Her voice came from the distance. Jack caught sight of her. 
She was aiming her camera up the slope at the smoking crater of the mountain. You have to come back now, he shouted, walking toward her. You shouldn't be walking around by yourself. Okay, okay. Annie put her camera in her pocket. Come on, said Jack. He took Annie's hand. They held on to each other and walked through the blowing snow toward the hut. Remember Nancy's rules, said Jack. There are deep cracks in... Ah! Before Jack could finish, the ground beneath him gave away, and he and Annie crashed through a thin layer of snow, hiding a deep crack in the ice. Jack and Annie landed on an icy ledge. Clumps of snow fell on top of them. Silence filled the air. A thin shaft of light came from the opening they had fallen through. It was at least 10 feet above them. You okay? Jack said. I think so, said Annie. They both sat up slowly. Annie peered over the edge of the ledge. Uh-oh, she said. Look. Jack looked. He and Annie were on the ledge of a ravine that plunged thousands of feet down into darkness. This must be one of those hidden places in the mountain Nancy talked about, said Jack. The ones made by the lava and hot gases. It's incredible, said Annie. She reached into her pocket for her camera. As soon as Annie moved, Jack heard the ice crack. Don't move, he said. Annie froze. Forget pictures, said Jack. We're facing serious danger here. If we move, the ice might break under us and we'll fall thousands of feet. Got it, said Annie. She took a deep breath. Maybe we should use the wand. We can't, said Jack. The wand won't work. We can only use it for the good of others, not just ourselves. Darn, said Annie. They were both still for a moment, listening to the immense silence around them. Okay, said Annie. The way I see it, if we don't use the wand, we'll be stuck here forever. Soon we'll make the wrong move and fall. Right, said Jack. So we'll never find the secret of happiness for Merlin, said Annie. Merlin will fade away completely from sorrow, and Camelot will lose his magic forever. Right, said Jack. So maybe in this case, rescuing ourselves isn't just our good, said Annie. Our good is also the good of others, like Merlin. Good thinking, said Jack. Let's try it. He carefully twisted around and took off his backpack. Then he very slowly reached inside and pulled out the wand of Dianthus. Okay, five words, Jack whispered. I guess I'll just wish for it to save you and me and Merlin. Hey, why didn't we make that wish a long time ago? We couldn't, said Annie. We hadn't tried our hardest yet. Right, get ready, said Jack. He closed his eyes, held up the gleaming silver wand and said, save Annie, Merlin and me. Jack waited a moment. Then he opened his eyes and looked around. What happened? He said. Nothing, said Annie. So I guess it didn't work, said Jack. He turned to put the wand away. I guess the rules must crack. The ice broke. The ledge gave way. Ah! Called Jack and Annie as they fell through the twilight, down through darkness, down, 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 down into blackness. Chapter 7, The Emperor. Clutching the wand, Jack lay in the pitch dark. He pushed up his goggles, but he still couldn't see anything. You there? It was Annie's voice. Yes, said Jack. You okay? Yes, but we're really in trouble now, said Jack. 
We fell way down into a dark hole and the wand doesn't work. He struggled to sit up. Well, maybe we should try again, said Annie. What's the point, said Jack. We'll never get out of here now. Jack and Annie were silent for a moment. Hey, we're moving, Annie said. Moving, said Jack. They were moving. The ice under them was gliding silently and smoothly through the darkness. What's happening, said Jack. Maybe we're not in a hole, said Annie. Look, there's light ahead. In the distance, they saw a glimmer of light. As they kept moving, the light grew brighter. It grew brighter and brighter until they slipped out of a dark tunnel into dazzling light. Now Jack could see that they were lying on a slab of ice floating down a narrow river. We're on an ice raft, said Annie. What's happening, said Jack again. I don't know, said Annie, but I think maybe the wand did work. The ice raft floated through light and shadow past tall frozen cliffs. Then it glided toward an archway in one of the cliff walls. Where are we going, asked Jack. The raft floated through the archway into a gigantic cavern. The cavern was like a huge icy cathedral. Its walls shone as if they were covered with silver. Oh, whispered Annie. What is this place, said Jack. I don't know, but now I'm sure the wand worked, said Annie. The ice raft kept floating along a thin river inside the cavern, past icy archways and jagged ledges. Jack felt as if they were being watched. He thought he heard whispering and breathing. Look, said Annie. She pointed to one of the cave openings. Standing on the ledge outside the cave entrance were two penguins. They looked just like the emperor penguins Jack and Annie had seen earlier. Jack and Annie stood up so they could see better. As their raft floated toward the ledge, the penguin in front stepped back into the cave. The other didn't move. Oh man, said Jack. The penguin wore a glittering crown. The ancient crown, Jack whispered. We found it. Annie didn't say anything. She just smiled as the ice raft floated straight toward the emperor penguin. It hit the ledge with a gentle bump. Hi, Annie said simply. The penguin made deep murmuring sounds. He didn't speak in human speech, but somehow Jack and Annie could understand every word. Welcome to the cave of the ancient crown. Annie bowed. The penguin had such dignity, Jack bowed too. The emperor spoke again. Come, he beckoned with his wing, then turned. Annie stepped off the ice raft onto the ledge and followed the emperor into the cave. Jack put the wand of Dianthus into his pack. He hoisted the pack onto his back and tried to balance his weight so he could step from the raft to the ledge. Hurry, said Annie, poking her head out of the cave. I'm coming, said Jack. He leapt from the raft onto the ledge, then hurried into the cave. The cave of the ancient crown was sparkling. Icicles hung everywhere. Pillars of ice glimmered with blue light. From behind a row of ice pillars came the sound of music. Strange music, unlike any Jack had ever heard before. It sounded like the music of a thousand icicle wind chimes. The emperor led Jack and Annie around the pillars. Oh, wow, said Annie. Penguin couples were dancing to the strange music on a glittering ice rink. Pink and blue lights spilled over the dancers as they gracefully glided and turned. Some penguins danced silently with their eyes closed. Others touched beaks. A group of baby penguins danced together, hopping and sliding on the ice. 
How? How could this be happening? Stammered Jack. Don't ask, whispered Annie. It's magic. A murmur went through the ballroom as the penguins began to notice Jack and Annie. Though the strange music kept playing, all the dancers came to a stop. None of the penguins seemed alarmed, though. They all looked at their visitors with calm, friendly faces. The emperor spoke to Jack and Annie. Word reached us earlier that you saved one of our own. We have been hoping to meet you. Puzzled, Jack looked at Annie. When we first got here, remember? She whispered. Oh, right, said Jack. He'd forgotten all about rescuing the small penguin from the petrol. You may stay with us for as long as you wish, said the emperor. You are honored members of our tribe now. Thank you, said Annie, but we can't stay long. We came to Antarctica to look for a secret of happiness. To save one of our friends, said Jack. It felt natural to tell the emperor and his tribe the truth. They lived in a world as magical as the world of Camelot. His name is Merlin. He's the magician of Camelot, and he's really sad. The penguins began murmuring and whispering to one another. Jack couldn't understand what they were saying. From the back of the crowd, a baby penguin waddled forward, the tiniest one in the tribe. Oh, look, breathed Annie. Jack grinned from ear to ear. The baby was a fuzzy gray ball with big dark eyes. It was even smaller than the young penguin they had saved from the bird. The little penguin waddled up to the emperor. Peep, peep, she said. The emperor looked down at her. Peep, peep. She says she wishes to go with you, said the emperor. She wants to help your friend. But she's so little, said Annie. What about her mom and dad? She is an orphan, said the emperor. Her parents were lost in a terrible storm, but she is very brave and full of joy. I know that she will bring happiness to your friend Merlin. Annie turned to the baby penguin. Thank you, she said. Then she leaned over and patted the penguin's tiny head. Oh, touch her, Jack. She's so soft. Jack patted the baby on the head, too. As he touched her soft little feathers, she tilted her head and stared at him with her big eyes. Jack felt a wave of tenderness for the baby penguin. He couldn't believe she was an orphan. Tears came to his eyes, but he quickly blinked them away and cleared his throat. Thanks, Penny, he said. Annie giggled. Jack couldn't believe he'd just named the little penguin Penny. Usually, Annie was the one who named the animals. Peep, said Penny. She would like you to pick her up, said the emperor. Oh, okay, said Jack. He leaned over and held out his arms. Penny snuggled close to his parka. Beep! Jack laughed and picked Penny up. He held the little penguin tightly. The emperor turned to the crowd. He said something Jack couldn't understand. The crowd parted to make a path. The emperor nodded at Jack and Annie. Let us go now, he said. As Jack, Annie, and Penny left with the emperor... The penguins flapped their wings against their bodies, applauding. Goodbye, Annie called to the crowd. Jack smiled and waved. Peep, said Penny. The icicle chime music grew softer and softer as Jack and Annie followed the emperor through the cave. The tall penguin led them outside onto the ledge. Thank you for your help today, he said. Thank you for letting Penny come with us, said Annie. We promise to take good care of her. We'll take her to Merlin, said Jack. The emperor touched the orphan's downy head with the tip of his wing. He leaned close to her and softly murmured something in her ear. Peep, Penny said. The emperor looked up at Jack and Annie. 
Silently, he bowed to them, and they bowed back. Then the emperor penguin turned and walked back into the cave of the ancient crown. Jack sighed. For a moment, he hated to leave the enchanted world of the penguins. Oh, she's so cold, Jack, said Annie. Jack looked down. Penny was shivering in his arms. Put her inside your parka, said Annie. Jack unzipped his parka and carefully placed the little penguin against his sweater. He pulled the zipper back up. He held Penny close to him. Perfect, said Annie. Just make sure she can breathe okay. Don't worry, said Jack, patting his jacket. I'll take good care of her. Do you think we can use the wand now to get back? Asked Annie. Jack nodded. I think so, he said. I can't think of any other way. Should we tell it to take us to the treehouse? Asked Annie. Or Frog Creek? Or Camelot? No, we have to go back to Mount Erebus first, said Jack. If Nancy finds out that Pete never picked us up, she really will have a heart attack. Oh, right, said Annie. Then we better put on our masks and goggles again. Jack pulled up his face mask and pulled down his goggles. Get the wand out of my pack, he said. Annie reached into Jack's backpack and pulled out the wand. Okay, ready, she said. Jack patted his parka, comforting the baby penguin. Here we go, Penny, he said, on a big adventure. Annie held up the wand, then took a deep breath and said, Take us back to Nancy. In less than an instant, Jack and Annie and Penny were on the slope of Mount Erebus. Chapter 8, A Good Story The snowmobiles and the helicopter were both parked on the slope. The scientists and journalists stood talking with Nancy and Pete. Oh no, Annie said, grabbing Jack. What about Penny? We're not supposed to have a penguin. They'll take her away. Jack put his arms protectively over his parka. I'll hide her, he said. We've got to get her to Merlin. Jack heard a shout. He turned around. Nancy had caught sight of them. She was waving her arms and running toward them. Hey, you two, Nancy called. She dashed across the snow and threw her arms around Annie, then Jack. Jack held his breath, hoping Penny wouldn't be squashed. Peep. Jack pulled away from Nancy and pretended to cough. He made his coughing end in a sort of <coughs> peep. The chopper just got here, said Nancy. Pete told me he was delayed by a snow squall. I freaked out. Where have you been? Are you okay? Don't worry. We're fine, said Annie. Perfect, said Jack. We don't feel a bit sick or anything. We were just getting some fresh air. We're ready to go now. Jack started walking toward the chopper. Chopper. Annie grabbed Nancy's arm and walked with her. Did you have fun on the mountain? Annie asked, trying to keep Nancy's attention off Jack. What happened? What did you see? We saw lots of things, but I was worried about you guys the whole time, said Nancy. Your parents must be frantic back at the station. They had their own expedition today, said Annie. They study penguins. Peep! What was that? asked Nancy. Jack did his weird cough again. Are you sure you're okay, Jack? Nancy called after him. I'm perfect he said. As the three of them approached the others, they were greeted with cheers. Nancy must have told everyone that we're just little kids, Jack thought. So glad you're safe, young man, said Ali, the biologist. He slapped Jack on the back. Penny peeped and Jack coughed. Sorry you couldn't make it up to the top, said Kim, the photographer. That's okay, said Annie. We still got a good story. Did you now, said Lucy, the space scientist. Yes, a really good story, said Annie. Excellent, but you mustn't tell a stole. Soul, said Tony, the journalist, or one of us will steal it. 
Tony laughed and the others laughed with him. Okay, we'll keep it a secret, Annie smiled. Pete opened the door of the chopper. Brave little kids first, said Nancy. Oh, brother, thought Jack. Nancy ushered Jack and Annie toward the helicopter. They scrambled up the steps, climbed aboard, and sat down. As the others climbed in and got settled, Jack loosened his seatbelt so he could buckle up without crushing Penny. Peep! Jack coughed, but to his relief, Pete started the engine. The rotor blades began to spin. Headphones! yelled Nancy. Everyone pulled on their headphones. Nancy gave Jack and Annie a big smile and a thumbs-up sign as the helicopter lifted off the mountain slope. I love late spring evenings in Antarctica, Nancy said to the group. Jack looked out the window. The evening sky was lavender with streaks of pink. This light always reminds me that we're in a different world from the world back home, said Nancy. Jack and Annie smiled at each other. If only the others knew how many different worlds there really were. The chopper swept up through the soft light of the cold sky, up the slope of the burning mountain, past the orange-red lake of boiling lava, over white fields of ice and snow, until finally it landed at the heliport, where the red bus was waiting. The chopper blade stopped spinning. Pete gave the signal. Then Jack and Annie followed Nancy and the others out of the helicopter. Jack held Penny in place under his parka as he boarded the red bus. He sat with Annie near the back. Nancy took the driver's seat and started the engine. As the bus rolled along, Jack peeked inside his parka. Penny looked up at him. She blinked a few times, as if she was a little worried. Jack petted her gently until she closed her eyes and fell asleep. Jack kept patting the front of his parka to comfort Penny. He looked out the window and patted the baby penguin the whole ride. As Penny snuggled close to Jack, none of his worries of the day mattered anymore. His fear of falling into the lava lake, his dread of altitude sickness, his embarrassment at being caught by Nancy. All the cares and confusions of the day were wiped away by his feelings for the orphan penguin. When the red bus stopped at the station, Jack and Annie followed everyone down the aisle and climbed off. As the others stood talking in a group, Jack and Annie started walking away. We're leaving now. Bye, Nancy, said Annie. Bye, everyone. Thanks for everything, called Jack. Oh, no, you don't said Nancy. She grabbed them both by the sleeves of their parkas. I'm not letting you two out of my sight again. Not until I hand deliver you to your parents. But, but our parents are still on their penguin expedition, said Annie. Then I'll take you to where you're staying, said Nancy. Come on. Clutching their parkas, she started walking them toward the buildings. You all must be staying at the wildlife quarters, right? Uh, yes, said Jack. Nancy led Jack and Annie to a building at the edge of the compound. Well, here you are, home safe and sound. Thanks, said Annie. Bye, said Jack. He was desperate to get away with Penny. Wait, said Nancy. Oh no, what now, thought Jack. I'm still worried about you guys, said Nancy. Are your parents really here to study penguins? I want you to tell me the true story now. Annie heaved a sigh. Okay. The true story is that Jack and I came alone to Antarctica in a magic treehouse. Annie, said Jack, but Annie kept talking. It belongs to Morgan Le Fay of Camelot. Morgan wants us to find the fourth secret of happiness for Merlin the Magician. See, he's very sad, and as soon as we leave Antarctica, we're headed for Camelot to cheer him up. Nancy just stared at Annie. Jack held his breath, afraid Nancy would finally have her heart attack. 
But Nancy burst out laughing and shook her head. Where did that come from? She said, you guys are so cute. How do you think up this stuff? Seriously now, tell me the truth. Well, started Jack. Oh, look, said Annie. Mom, Dad. What? said Jack. There they are, said Annie. She pointed to a couple bundled up in parkas, goggles, and ski masks. They were walking toward a building. Oh, right, said Jack. Mom, Dad. The couple kept walking and disappeared behind the building. They didn't hear us, said Annie. We better go. They'll wonder where we are. Bye, Nancy. Thanks for everything. Nancy, you coming with us for coffee? Tony yelled, standing by the bus. You should go, Nancy, said Annie. We'll be fine. Okay, said Nancy, sighing. Bye, guys. Run and catch up with your folks. Peep. Jack coughed his funny cough. And take care of that cough of yours, Jack, said Nancy. Don't worry. I will, said Jack. Then Jack and Annie took off. They ran behind the building. They stopped and peeked back around the corner. They watched Nancy walk off with Tony and the others. Let's go, said Jack. He and Annie hurried away from all the buildings at McMurdo Station. Jack put his arms around Penny as they crossed the icy slope and ran to the cliff near the seashore. The treehouse was still there, tucked under the overhang. Annie climbed in through the window. Jack followed her, careful not to let Penny slip out of his parka. Annie pulled Morgan's rhyme out of her pocket and read the last part. Then speed to Camelot by close of day, lest grief take Merlin forever away. Let's go, said Jack. Speed to Camelot. Annie pointed to the word Camelot and said loudly and clearly, I wish we could go there. A blast of light, a roar of wind, a rumble of thunder, and, of course, they were there. Chapter 9, Penny and Merlin. Peep! Penny's head was sticking out of Jack's jacket. Jack and Annie were wearing their own clothes again, their jeans, jackets, hats, and scarves. All their heavy cold-weather gear for Antarctica was gone. We're in Camelot, said Annie, looking out the window. Jack took Penny out of his jacket and held her up to the window so she could see the grounds of King Arthur's castle. The treehouse had landed in an apple tree in an orchard. In the near distance, castle towers rose into a late afternoon sky. Several knights on horses were riding away from the castle. Jack! Annie! Teddy and Kathleen were running through the orchard, between the trees, over fallen golden leaves and apples. Jack and Annie waved at them. Oh, I just thought of something, said Jack. We forgot to find out the fourth secret. What do you mean, said Annie? It's Penny. No, I don't think so, said Jack. Remember, Leonardo da Vinci told us a secret of happiness has to be available to everyone. Not many people can have their own baby penguin. Oh, right said Annie. Jack, Annie, come down, Teddy and Kathleen called from below. We're coming, said Annie. Jack put Penny inside his jacket, then carefully climbed down the rope ladder after Annie. Oh, what did you bring back with you, said Kathleen. Penny was peeking out of Jack's jacket again. A baby penguin for Merlin, said Annie. Look at her, said Kathleen. She's beautiful. Indeed, said Teddy petting Penny, Penny's downy head. Beep! She wants to help Merlin, said Annie. Then let us hurry to him at once, said Teddy. Come, follow us. Kathleen and Teddy led the way between the trees to a small wooden cottage at the edge of the orchard. Merlin's in there? asked Jack. 
"'Tis a garden house he's always loved as a child,' said Teddy. Morgan thought he would find comfort there. But alas, he seems to have found nothing but more grief. He will eat nothing, and he has not spoken for days. Teddy opened the door to the cottage and ushered Annie and Jack inside. Morgan was sitting by Merlin's bed. Late afternoon light slanted through the window onto the magician's face. He lay very still. His eyes were closed, and his hands were folded on his chest. A chill went through Jack. Merlin hardly looked alive. Morgan turned around. She, too, looked tired, but her face brightened when she saw Jack and Annie. Thank goodness you have come, she said. Annie crossed the room and hugged Morgan. Jack stepped forward with Penny. Look what we brought for Merlin, he whispered. Oh, said Morgan. The enchantress gently touched the little penguin. She is lovely indeed, she whispered. Thank you for bringing her. Morgan turned back to Merlin. Merlin, she said. Jack and Annie from Frog Creek are here. They want to talk with you. Annie stepped forward while Jack stood in the shadows with Penny. Hi, Merlin, said Annie. How are you doing? The magician didn't open his eyes, but he nodded to let Annie know he heard her. We have four secrets of happiness to share with you, said Annie. She reached into Jack's backpack. She pulled out the poem that the poet Basho had given them on their trip to old Japan. Listen, here's a poem from a man named Basho, said Annie. She read the short poem. An old pond, a frog jumps in, the sound of water. The secret of happiness for Basho was that he paid attention to small things in nature, explained Annie. Merlin nodded slowly. Nature, he said in a raspy voice. That's right, said Annie, and we brought you this too. She pulled out the angel picture Leonardo da Vinci had drawn. She held it up to show Merlin. This is an angel drawn by a great genius named Leonardo da Vinci, said Annie. Merlin opened his eyes and peered at the drawing. Isn't she beautiful, said Annie. The secret of Leonardo's happiness was that he had great curiosity about everything. Angels, art, noses, feathers, flowers, flying. Every day he felt happy when he learned something new. Merlin nodded as he stared at the angel sketch. Curiosity, he breathed. Yes, and here's the third secret, said Annie. She reached into Jack's pack and pulled out the nautilus shell they'd been given on their trip to the deep ocean. A sea creature once lived inside this shell, said Annie. We learned from an ocean scientist that a secret of happiness is having compassion for all living things, from a tiny shell creature to a giant octopus. Merlin took the shell from Annie. He cupped his hands around it and closed his eyes. His face softened. Compassion, he said, but still he didn't smile. Jack sighed. Maybe Merlin isn't going to get better, he thought. Give him Penny now, Jack, whispered Annie. Jack stepped out from the shadows. Merlin, he said, we don't actually know what the fourth secret of happiness is, but we want to give you something else. Merlin looked at Jack. Jack held up the tiny penguin. Her name is Penny, he said. Merlin just stared at Penny. He looked confused. She's an orphan, said Jack. Her parents were lost in a terrible storm. Merlin frowned. She is very small, he said hoarsely. Yes, and she wants to live with you, said Annie. The emperor of the cave of the ancient crown wants you to take care of her, 
said Jack. He says she is very brave and full of joy. Jack set Penny on the floor. Standing alone, the penguin looked tiny and fragile. Go to Merlin, Jack urged Penny. Penny waddled across the floor to Merlin. Her little body rocked stiffly from side to side as she held out her wings to keep her balance. Penny stopped in front of Merlin. The little penguin and the old magician stared at each other for a moment. Merlin's expression didn't change. Peep, said Penny. Peep, peep. Merlin's face twitched. Then he began to laugh. At first, his laughter seemed more like coughing than laughing, as if he hadn't laughed in a long time. But then his laughter grew louder. He stood up and scooped the baby penguin into his arms. Merlin hugged Penny to his chest, pressing her against his long white beard. His face settled into a warm smile. It is your destiny to care for her, Merlin, said Morgan. The emperor of the cave of the ancient crown has sent her to you. He is very wise. Merlin nodded. Then, cradling Penny in his arms, he walked to the doorway of the cottage and looked out. The air smells like ripe apples and wood smoke today, he said. Yes, my old friend, it does, said Morgan. She wiped tears from her eyes. Merlin turned back and looked at Jack and Annie. Thank you for bringing... What did you say her name was? Penny, said Annie. Ah, yes, Penny. To me, said Merlin. And thank you for your other gifts as well. I will never forget the secrets you have shared with me. You're welcome, said Jack and Annie. Peep! Yes, yes, Merlin murmured to the baby penguin. You will stay with me, and we will have a happy time together. Let us go into the orchard, and I will show you the rising moon. Merlin put Penny down on the ground. The baby penguin took tiny, quick steps alongside the magician as they walked into the orchard. The two strolled together between the trees, and a round moon rose over the kingdom of Camelot. Chapter 10, The Secret Well done, Teddy said softly. Indeed, said Kathleen, smiling at Jack and Annie. Morgan smiled at them too. Thank you for your four secrets, she said. You're welcome, said Annie, but we're not exactly sure what the fourth secret is. I told Annie I don't think it can be a baby penguin, said Jack, because in our time people aren't allowed to have baby penguins. That is true, said Morgan, but people can always take care of someone or some creature who needs them. So that's the secret, said Annie. Morgan nodded. Taking loving care of another can make one very happy, she said. Like the other three secrets, it helps us look outside ourselves. Then we can better see all the gifts the world has to offer. Yeah, taking care of Penny really took my attention off myself, Jack said. I forgot about a million things I was worried about. I know you will miss her, said Morgan, but I imagine you will see her again someday. So are we going on another mission soon? asked Annie. Return home and rest first, and we will send for you again, said Morgan. Can you try to make it really soon, said Annie. We don't like long rests. Morgan laughed. We will see, she said. Oh, before we leave, I want to take a picture of you three guys, said Annie. It's for my family project at school. You seem like a family to me. Look this way, please. Annie aimed her camera at Morgan, Teddy, and Kathleen. Smile, she said. What are you doing, asked Teddy. What are you holding? It's a camera, 
said Annie. Just smile. Say cheese. Cheese? Why cheese? said Teddy. Click. Flash. Got it. Annie put her camera back into her pocket. What was that? What did you do? asked Teddy. It's hard to explain, said Jack. It's like magic from our time. Goodbye now, said Morgan, smiling. Have a safe journey home to your family. Thanks, said Jack. See all you guys again soon. Real soon, we hope, said Annie. We hope so too, said Teddy. Goodbye, said Kathleen. Jack and Annie left the garden cottage and hurried back to the treehouse. They climbed up the rope ladder. Jack grabbed the Pennsylvania book and opened it to a picture of the Frog Creek Woods. Wait, I see Merlin and Penny. Look, Annie pointed toward Merlin in the distance. He was still walking through the apple orchard with Penny at his side. They look like a little family now too, said Jack. Yeah, they do. I should take their picture, said Annie. She aimed her camera at Merlin and Penny and took a picture. Then she sighed. Okay, home now. Bye, Penny, Jack said softly. Then he pointed in the book to the words Frog Creek. I wish we could go there, he said. The wind started to blow. The treehouse started to spin. It spun faster and faster. Then everything was still. Absolutely still. We're home, Annie said. That was a great trip. She and Jack were back in the Frog Creek Woods. Yeah, I hope we see Penny on our next mission, said Jack. If we see Merlin, we'll probably see Penny, said Annie. I think those two are a team now. At least we have a picture of them and a picture of Teddy, Kathleen, and Morgan. Annie held up her camera and clicked through the photo display. Oh no, she said. I don't believe it. What, said Jack. All my pictures are gone, said Annie. No Antarctica, no Merlin or Morgan, no penguins. Really, said Jack. Maybe you can't keep the pictures you take on a magical trip. I think you're right, said Annie. I only have one picture. I took it right before we left home. She held up her camera to show Jack. It was a picture of him. He had a grin on his face. That's when I saw the streak of light over the woods, said Jack, and I knew the treehouse was back. Well, at least I captured that moment, said Annie, sighing. Yep. Jack put the Antarctica book on the floor of the treehouse and pulled on his pack. Then he climbed down the rope ladder. Annie followed. As they started tramping over the fallen leaves, the woods were growing dark. Jack felt a little cold and hungry. So the fourth secret is take care of someone who needs you, said Annie. I guess that can mean lots of things, like take care of a sad person, a baby, a puppy, or a new kid in school. Jack nodded. Yep, he said. And maybe it works the other way, too. What do you mean, said Annie. I think sometimes you can make other people happy by letting them take care of you, Jack said. Oh, right, said Annie. It seems to make mom and dad happy to take care of us. Like when they tell us to wear scarves and gloves, said Jack. And make us dinner, said Annie. And tell us to be home before dark, said Jack. We better hurry, said Annie. Yep, let's go make mom and dad happy, said Jack, laughing. By letting them take care of us, said Annie. The wind shook the tree limbs and leaves fluttered to the ground. Geese honked overhead as Jack and Annie hurried home through the chilly November twilight. The End